like many of you, the reason I didn't start bigger was just access to capital. So there's a saying and it goes, you know, if it's easy to get, it's hard to get rid of. And that isn't how multifamily should be treated. A huge portion of their retirement is held in that property. So it's very emotional. They're not really looking at it as a, a building or an investment. It's, it's, you know, an emotional object for them. For me, the biggest difference between large scale and small scale multifamily is Today, I wanted to talk about scale, kind of walk you through going from buying eight unit properties to hundred unit properties, what we learned along the way, what, some of the aha moments that I had, why I think it's important to have scale, why it's really the only way I feel like the business can work, all the inefficiencies of doing it small. Like many of you, the reason I didn't start bigger was just access to capital. We bought what we could afford at the beginning. And I think it's important to not get caught in that trap. Once you bought a four unit or a duplex or an eight unit, it's very simple to just buy another one and buy another one. And that goes for every level. Once you've done something, it's easy to do it again. Even some of the courses that are out there, I feel like they're great for teaching you how to buy the first property. They're maybe not great for teaching you how to buy a thousand units, right? Because the, the person running it probably has only bought smaller properties. So that's what he's going to teach you. And that's what he's going to know. So make sure you're getting advice from people way above you. Right from the beginning, I always looked at people who had big portfolios, kind of tried to model what they did, see what they were seeing that I wasn't. There's things like how they buy lower cap rates and new investors generally look for high cap rates, things like that. I think it's important to just have a long-term vision right when you start. Even if you have to start small, figure out a way to get out of it. You know, you you rarely will see a portfolio of a thousand units that made that's made up of four four unit properties. And if it is, there's going to be a lot of inefficiencies there. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. If you even imagine on the purchase of those properties, let's use an example of, you know, 12, eight unit buildings versus a one hundred unit property on the 12 small properties, you know, you've got to hire a lawyer 12 times. You've got to get 12 inspections. You've got to do your due diligence 12 times. It's a huge time suck. There's, you know, the, the rule, if you look at 10 properties to buy one, that means you'd have to look at 120 properties before you could get to a hundred units. It's pretty, you know, pretty inefficient. There's lots of things like now, if you're going to do an energy model, the energy model on an eight unit, isn't that much cheaper than it is on a hundred unit, but you're going to have to get it 12 times. So that can really add up, you know, your lawyer fees, all those things. It, it becomes very inefficient. Um, even the time it takes, if you, you know, you're never going to put 12 properties under contract at once. If you're doing one or two at a time and it takes three months, you know, it's going to take you years to get to a hundred units. So you have to figure out how to get out of that small mindset or the small properties into bigger properties. And uh, that's always going to be scary, but that's, that's the way that I feel like it has to be done. One of the biggest things too, is just the sophistication of the seller. So I'll use an example of the first eight unit we bought you know, kind of the whole process. He was nickel and diming on everything. And a lot of times that's the way it's going to be that the owner might only own that one property or a couple properties. That's a huge portion of their retirement is held in that property. So it's very emotional. They're not really looking at it as a, a building or an investment. It's, it's, you know, an emotional object for them. And it's hard to ever negotiate or deal with that. They're just going to have a price or something they want. And it's hard to work around that. There's upsides smaller owners are generally going to be a lot more receptive to some kind of creative financing and things like that. But in, uh, in our case, you know, we bought that eight unit building 
And the night before we took over, we hadn't put in the contrast of security cameras. It was just kind of assumed they were coming with the building. And he went and took them out, you know, to save $1,500. He could sell them on eBay or whatever. And you're not going to have that generally on a larger scale. So the 111 unit we just bought, it was kind of the exact opposite experience. It was an institution that owned it. During due diligence, we found out it had aluminum wiring and it's very hard to insure those buildings. So we had a conversation with them. They right away went in and, and retrofitted the entire building was $60,000 or something, but they could see the bigger picture. They weren't going to let $60,000 fold up a $17 million deal, right? They were, they were going to get it done. We're kind of working towards the same thing. They want to sell, we want to buy. And it's much more of a, a transaction when you're dealing with institutions or bigger companies or bigger owners. Um, the other thing with the bigger owners, they usually are well capitalized and they spend the unsexy money. They're doing the roofs and the boilers and the windows and things that have to be done, makes the building easy to manage, but it doesn't see a direct return. So if they just replace the roof and, and we're paying, you know, in multifamily, you're, you're buying income. So the income hasn't went up because they replaced the roof, but they might've put hundreds of thousands of dollars into that. I'm not paying for that, but I'm getting the benefit of it. Whereas on a smaller building, most uh, mom and pop owners or, or newer owners, they're spending, you know, all the makeup money. They're doing, you know, renovations, things they get a direct return. So if the rent's a hundred dollars higher, you are paying for that. So it's better if you can buy from someone who's done all the big, the big expensive work, you're, you're kind of getting that it's not for free, but you're, you're getting the benefit of it without having to pay a big premium for it. That goes for the people you're dealing with as well like a finance broker, the really best teams are working on the bigger loans, you know, 10 million, $50 million loans. They're not going to want to be doing $500,000 loans. There's just no, no money for them there. Once you get the loan amount up over even 10 million, there's more groups that are going to want to come in on the debt side. The pricing is going to be better. The spreads are usually going to be lower than on the smaller stuff. It's just, even the banks know it's a lot safer assets. So they feel more comfortable with them. Yeah. What's the long-term goal? You know, what, what is your plan with the debt? Are you planning to, to get the income up, pull some money out, take a second mortgage down the road on a $500,000 property. If you try to pull out, you know, a $50,000 second, it, it's going to be tough to get that. If you're trying to pull out a million or 2 million of a bigger property, there's going to be a lot of banks that want to do that loan. So the financing actually gets easier, the bigger it gets. Then there's all the other things on the maintenance side, for instance, you know, to have 12 roofs instead of one boilers is a big one or or make up air units you know you still have to service them every year doesn't matter if they're small or big so now you're sending someone to do to 12 different locations to do 12 different boilers opposed to doing one or two big ones it's just the the economies of scale it makes way more sense to have everything in one location or a couple big locations than it does to have them spread out all over and it kind of goes the same with the property management if you have a smaller building that's maybe doing $100,000 in revenue a year, at 5% of property managers only going to make $5,000. Well, you, they're not going to spend a lot of time or effort on that property because there's just no money there for them. So the only way they can make money is charging fees. So go, every time they go to the property, they're going to be charging you. You know, if the tenant has a problem or they have to do a showing or whatever, they still have to go there. So they're still going to charge you. And when your income is so little, it's going to have a lot bigger impact on a big property. If you're using third party management for one, their initial fees a lot bigger. So they're making more money. They can spend more time there, but also every time they go to the property, they could take out, you know, maybe they could deal with five problems. The same with the maintenance guy. They could go there and, 
and bang out five things or a couple different problems at once instead of going to five different locations and charging you the minimum to go each place. So for maintenance, it's it's not even close. I mean, it's so much easier to manage properties. Once you get to a certain level, you probably have an on-site maintenance guy there all the time anyways. So that's another huge, huge advantage to having having the property big enough. I think for me, the biggest difference between large-scale and small-scale multifamily is who's going to be buying it from you down the road. So there's a saying, and it goes, you know, if it's easy to get, it's hard to get rid of. And I think that's very true where when you look at uh, a large asset that an institution is going to buy, that market's almost always going to be there. You know, you're, bu- you're buying income, you're buying an asset. When, when you're dealing with smaller ones where it's a first-time investor that wants to buy it, maybe it's a doctor or a lawyer, someone who doesn't have experience in real estate investing, that's the first money that's going to dry up when, when the economy goes bad and, and things slow down. That, those are the people who are going to be buying. Whereas institutions and larger investors generally are pretty well capitalized for that and they're looking for those opportunities and there's always a market for that. It's just based on income, so it doesn't fluctuate near as much as single family does. And you know, you're not dealing with the headache of having a bunch of small first time investors come through and pick everything apart. We've dealt with that with some of the smaller things where they'll find like a crack in the stucco or just little things where it's like it has nothing to do with the investment or the asset, but they're looking at it almost as like a home they would come and live in or how they would view a single family home. And that isn't how multifamily should be treated. So I think that who's going to buy it. So from the beginning, even it, it sounds hypocritical, some of this stuff, because we started with eight units and now I'm telling people not to do it, but we always had a vision to go bigger as soon as it was possible. And now today and, and kind of from the beginning, I would always look at an asset and say, who's going to buy this from me in 10 or 20 years? You know, is maybe an institution wouldn't buy this 50 or 100 unit property on its own. But if it was in a portfolio of a thousand and they wanted to move into this market, would they buy it then? You know, what premium would they pay if it's, if it's put together with a bunch of other really good assets? And that's always kind of has been the vision right from when we started the fund. The idea was we're going to get a bunch of regular people to come in, invest alongside of us. We're going to buy these big assets that, that individually people couldn't buy on their own. They're going to be a part of it. We're going to get the economies of scale, same as the big guys get. And, and have an exit at the end. So whether we decide to hold it or whether we decide to sell it, we have multiple options there down the road. So hopefully gave you guys some stuff to think about today. If you are stuck in that cycle where you're just buying the same duplex or four units over and over, I know that's comfortable. Try to stretch, think outside, you know, how you could get something bigger. It's always scary taking that next step. And then as soon as you do, that becomes a new normal. I think once you do buy, a, you know, a 50 or 100 unit property, you realize you could you can see the scale right away and you'll see why the business works way better at that scale. But even for myself, I'm still looking at bigger projects all the time, bigger than we've done. And it's always scary and it's a, a risk to take that step, but that's part of the journey. So hopefully uh, helped you guys out a little bit. If you have any questions, you can always reach out. I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Um, if you're on Instagram, you DM me. It's going to be me that answers. Just type in Shane under, you should be able to find it. And we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening.